welcome back to the Horse Fix, where you can get your weekly horse fix and perhaps fix your horse at the same time. I'm Sandy Holt, and I'm coming to you from Winter Haven Ranch in Aubrey, Texas, Horse Country, USA. Today's episode is part two of last week's Does Your Horse Respect You? So we are going to work a little bit more in detail today on that topic. Shall we get started? Yesterday I needed to move a horse from one pasture to another and he ended up getting put in with a whole new group of horses that he wasn't used to and they weren't used to him. It was interesting to watch. You know, I'm a herd watcher and I I love watching the dynamics and finding out how they communicate with each other and and their language, so to speak. Anyway, uh, put this little buckskin named Tanner in there And among the group of other four horses, there's one that um, has established himself as the head honcho, and that's this little paint horse named Oriole. So he kind of stood there for a minute and watched Tanner trot in, and Tanner kind of went over to the corner and stood there for a little bit, and, and he was watching to see where he might be able to fit in, and you know, Tanner Tanner is uh, submissive anyway, so he didn't just go, and I've seen this happen where you turn a horse out in with other horses and he just, just dives right in the middle of the herd and, and starts kicking and bucking and, and uh, clearing out his, his own space, but Tanner didn't do that. Tanner just kind of walked around a little bit, checking things out. Well, Oreo went over to him and started hurting him around. Um, not in an angry fashion and not in a violent way, but he just went behind him and just kind of pushed him from one spot to the other in the pasture. He took him over here and they took him over there and Tanner just kind of walked along and occasionally if Tanner would trot off, Oreo would just trot after him and then kind of push him around and him back where he wanted him. This went on for a while and finally you could see when Oreo had Tanner where he where he wanted him to be, he walked away from him. Stood there for a while and kind of watched him again and if he saw Tanner move around a little bit more, Oreo would go right back there and, and reposition Tanner. So that got me to thinking, you know, that I I really honor and value my relationship with my horses. And if I can get something like that done the way Oreo did, without getting too uh, violent or too in in the face of the horse, now, sometimes you, you do have to get up there and be a little bit bigger in stature, um, pretend like to be bigger in stature to your horse. But I kind of liked Oreo's process and, and his way of doing something. So... I decided to give that a try myself and in my own way. So and I had a horse that I was working with. He's a young horse, and I had him in the round pen. And he kind of was picking and choosing what he wanted to do and really wasn't listening to me. He was looking out elsewhere, and and he wasn't respectful of my space at all. He would just, if I would have let him, he might have mowed me over a couple of times. He's young and, and pretty rambunctious. At any rate, I let him settle down a little bit, and I'm standing out there in the round pen with him, and he stops, 
and just stands there like, okay, I've established myself and, and you know, you're not going to work me anymore and I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to be the king. So what I did was I just, uh, I kind of played Oreo with him. I went over and took my lunge whip and just kind of fluttered it and just moved him out of that spot, so to speak. I, I took over his spot. He didn't like that much, and he kind of just looped around and, and trotted around and kind of shook his head a little bit and went over and, and tried to get his spot back. So I just, you know, quietly fluttered my whip and said, no, no, this is my spot, and you go off and, and do your own thing for a minute. And uh, he wouldn't, and it, it was almost comical to watch him and to be involved with that because he was just like, okay, no, I'm, I'm coming back. And every time he'd come back, I'd shoo him off. This took a while, but finally he stopped and faced me, which is always what I want when I'm working with a horse because now you've got their attention and now they're starting to say, what was it you wanted me to do? So you bring about some clarity there. And, of course, clarity brings about harmony. So once he stood there and faced me for a little bit, I went ahead and walked over and said, Oh, you know what? I wanted this space after all, so move. <laughs> Poor guy, he goes, Oh, I thought you wanted that space over there. I'm going to go back over to the other space that you just took away from me. And he literally did. And, I mean, this was, this was really interesting and really fun uh, to do. So he goes back over to the spot that I had just taken away from him, and he stands there. So I wait for just a minute, and I go over and take that spot back again. We're playing a game now, and he's starting to get like, I don't like this, but he wasn't angry. He was just a little confused and like, uh, you know, I'm used to having my own uh, decisions on this. And who is this person? Well, this person, me, was his leader, and it became clear to him after we played this game for eh, 30 minutes more, he finally got it, and he would stand and wait for me to just start to move forward, and when I did move forward, he would take a step away, and he would allow me to move into his space and not try and get it back. So we established respect, leadership, and harmony. And I was a happy camper, and he seemed happy too. He licking his lips and resonating with what we had done. So it was a great teaching and learning moment. So kudos and thank you to Oreo. Ground manners are extremely important to your horse's safety and your own safety, and for harmony and for both of you to be happy. Horses want to be led. When they can feel like someone is in charge, and they typically like that because they feel safer. So let's give them that safety by teaching them how to be respectful. It's really important that you're able to, not only in the saddle, but also on the ground, get them to comply with what you're asking from the lead line. When you can do that, it really will make a difference in his respecting your space. And it all stems from you just mechanically being able to get him to move around. And then when you ask him to move away from you, he can do that. So, of course, last episode we talked about backing your horse away from you. And that's, a, you know, that's one of the first steps that you want to take. 
is getting the horse to back out of your space, making him stay out of that space. And as you're walking along, leading the horse, if he gets in your space, you take the minute, and you're very consistent to do this, and you take him and stand there for a minute, and then move on and try it again. And, you know, again, uh, we talked about this, Chloe and I did, consistency is key here. Well, there's other parts that we also need to get the horse to comply with. Let's start with moving his hindquarters away from us. When a horse can be dominant, one of the first things they want to do is push their hindquarters towards you in a stance of, you know, if you don't leave me alone, I might kick you. And, you know, that's a dominant and kind of a belligerent thing for a horse to do. So you want to always be able to ask that horse to move his hindquarters away from you and to stand and deliver himself facing you. So it's a, um, it's a pressure thing, of course. And take a crop, tap, 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 tap on his hindquarters. As soon as he takes a step away from you and kind of shifts his body around in the opposite direction, stop your tapping. Again, pressure, release. That's how they learn. Pressure motivates the lesson. Release teaches the lesson. So you want to do that in both directions. And you want to do that until they really get it so that all you have to do is perhaps just lift your crop a little bit. The horse will know that you're asking that and will move away. And that's a really important issue and a part of respect and of boundaries. Then you want to do the front end the same way. So you're going to loosen your lead line a little bit. And you're going to tap the shoulder and tap, 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 and make that shoulder step away from you. Now in the beginning, it doesn't matter if he crosses his feet over or if he moves his whole body over. As long as you get him to move that shoulder away from you, that's the beginning of the respect and that's the beginning of getting him to comply with your leadership. You want to do that in both directions, both shoulders. So you have your hindquarters both directions, your shoulders in both directions. Now let's talk about the neck. Let's say you just want him to move from the shoulder to his face, the neck and head. Same thing. Tap, tap, tap. Now when he moves his head and neck away from you, he will step away from you. And that's key. That's what we want. Do it in both directions. Take your time with this. Don't just whip him, you know, just tap, tap, tap. Let him know it, this isn't going to hurt, but it is going to annoy him until he gets it. Uh, kind of just, you know, you can even use your finger at a shoulder to move a shoulder over. And as soon as he starts to, or even just leans that way, stop. And it won't be long before he'll totally get it. I promise you that. You know, horses can show their disrespect in many ways. One being, let's say you're trying to get a bridle on your horse and he throws his head up or lifts his head as high as he can get it and he won't let you get to his head. I hate this because I'm five feet tall and when I get a horse that's 17 plus hands high, it's not easy to work with a horse that won't keep his head down. So again, it is pressure release to get him to to start learning. 
and start getting the idea that he can't keep his head up there. One of the things I do is I take his face and I kind of rock it back and forth. I put my hand over the bridge of his nose and I just slowly just start rocking the head from side to side. And as soon as he just starts relaxing and lowering, then I stop rocking. And, you know, there's no pain there at all. It's just kind of taking him and, and loosening him up and getting him to relax. And then if he goes back to throwing his head up again, I do it again. And, you know, the consistency and repetition will definitely get the job done. So that's one thing. Another thing is uh, mounting. If you're getting on your horse and he's moving all around, you know, I've watched people just deal with it and just get on their horses and let those horses just start walking off as they're mounting them. And I really take offense to this because it's... (laughs) For me, it would be like getting in the car while my husband's driving off and him not stopping and respecting me and waiting for me to get in and shut the door before he just starts to drive off. That's how I feel about horses. They need to stand still and not only wait till you get on, but stand until you ask them to move forward. Now, one way to do that, we use the work pressure instead of the physical press pressure so to speak. So I've got a horse that's about, uh, he's over 17 hands high, and, and I have to use the mounting block to get on this horse. So I pull him up to the mounting block, and he's gotten to where he'll shift his hindquarters away from me and kind of walk away a little bit, and then I have to stop and put the mounting block over where he stops and then try again. And this can go on forever because he says, aha, you know, and this is a bad aha moment because he's going, aha, I got you. All I got to do is move away. And, you know, it takes a while for you to get on me and we have to go to work. So what I will do there is if he starts moving away from that mounting block, I will just get my hand to the end of the reins that I've, you know, already had in my hands getting ready to mount. And I will chase him around a little bit. I'll make him work. And I'll make him realize, you know, standing still is a whole lot easier than actually having to move around. And and I won't just let him walk around me, like leisurely. I chase him around. I make him kind of trot around me in place, and that's kind of hard to do. But it only takes a few times and then he'll finally stop and let me get on him. Sometimes I have to, with him anyway, I've had to repeat this a few times as I'm starting him out. He's getting better and better, and it's less often that he moves when I'm trying to get on him. But I am going to have to be consistent and be repetitive with this until he finally gets it. But that is one exercise that you can do to get your horse to stand still while you mount him. Now. I really think it's important that you do this in its entirety and that you don't let him slide and you once he does stand still and then you start to get on and then he takes a move, you know, takes a step forward while you're in midair getting on him. That's not acceptable either. So if that happens, just step down, make him move around. I think it's important that you do that rather than you know, put yourself in the saddle, stop him and back him and make him stand. 
because he's really not getting the idea as well than if you will make him actually work and stand still until you have asked him to move forward. So I think that's one that might be helpful to some of you. And of course, it's the same thing as uh, if you're leading your horse around and and he throws his head down and starts eating the grass and starts grazing and and you're you know you you can't over muscle a horse and so you're pulling on that lead line and he's not wanting to raise up for you. All you have to do is just uh, have a little crop in your hand and just start chasing him around you. Hold the end of that lead line or or lunge line if you have one, and chase him around you, make him work, and then walk on. And if he does it again, make him work. And trust me, it does work. It it really does. And someone asked me uh, the other day, well, what if I want to take him out to graze? Well, you just simply walk to your place where you want to graze the horse. And then just lower your hand down a little bit and let him follow your hand down to the grass, uh, you know, with a line, and then, you know, just let him let him do that. Uh, but then when you go to walk back to the barn, you get back at it and be consistent, and if he tries to graze on you and you haven't allowed him to do that or you haven't said it's okay, then you chase him around. You get after that little horse and... He'll start learning. It's, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a real hard thing to do. But as long as you're consistent with it, you'll have, you'll stop having to do it, and uh, you'll, you're going to have a harmonious relationship with your horse. So I'm going to finish up today with by telling you a little story that my grandfather used to tell me. Uh, my grandfather's a little Irish horseman, and he and I would talk horse theory all day long. So he tells me this story that one day when he was a little boy, uh, he's sitting around early in the evening, and his father says, "Uh, Son, go to bed. And my grandfather says, Well, no, Father, I don't want to go to bed. And his dad says, Well, that's okay. You don't have to go to bed. But uh, what you can do instead of going to bed is you can go chops of wood and bring them in and set them next to the wood stove. So my grandfather thought, yeah, that's a good option. I don't want to go to bed. So he went ahead and went out and took him a while, but he chopped the wood and he brought it in set it down. And then he sits down feeling all proud of himself that he'd gotten out of going to bed. And then his father looks at him and says again, now, son, go to bed. And he says, well, no, father, I, I don't want to. And he says, well, that's okay. You don't have to. So please go out and get the cows and bring them in to their stalls and feed them their hay. And so my grandfather says, well, yeah, that's better than going to bed. So he went and did that. And by now he's getting a little tired, but he still didn't want to go to bed. So he sits down and his father says, "Uh, son, now go to bed. And he says, no, father, I don't want to go to bed. And he says, well, no, that's okay. He says, so why don't you go ahead and shovel out the uh, the pathway to the horses, break the ice that has developed in their trough, and carry some water down and pour it in for them. So my grandfather goes out, and, and he shovels, and he breaks the ice, and he carries the water, and he puts it in. Well, by now, my grandfather's tired. So he gets back to the house, and he goes to bed. The next evening, he's sitting down in, in 
it's early evening again, and and uh, his father says, uh, "Son, time to go to bed." And my grandfather looks at his father and says, "I think I'll go to bed." So the same sort of thing, you know. Uh, we get our horses to work when they don't want to do what we're asking them to do, and pretty soon they're realizing it's a lot easier just to do what we've asked them to do. So in closing, I, I want to say thanks for listening, everyone. I, I really appreciate everyone for tuning in to the Horse Fix. Um, it gives me pleasure to pass on information and, and knowledge and skill that I have learned over my uh, many, many, many years. And, and I thank you for, for allowing me to do that. So if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe. And if there's a place to give us a thumbs up or to write a review, I would love that too. Until next time, may all your blues be ribbons. Bye-bye.